take a moment to invite you to check out my website, karagoodwin.com. I have a lot of resources out there to support your meditation practice. You can sign up to receive a free guided meditation to bring more calmness and light into your life. There's also a 21-day Learn to Meditate self-study program. This can help you cultivate your own meditation practice or take your existing practice even deeper. Or if you're inspiring others in your life to begin meditating, that could be a great resource for them. There are also recorded workshops that Michael Massey and I have collaborated on, which dive into advanced concepts on consciousness. And I'll soon be releasing more offerings to support your growth, including an upcoming retreat later in the year. So please check it out at karagoodwin.com. And thanks for your support and enjoy this episode. Hello and welcome to the Meditation Conversation. I'm your host, Kara Goodwin, and I'm so excited today to have my friend on, Trisha Hegelskamp. She is a fellow beekeeper, and she's a former engineer turned naturopath and other qualifications that I will let her talk about. Um, And I wanted to have her on because she's a very interesting person in general, but um, she has a really, ener- a really unique energy modality that was kind of the impetus for like, oh, you should come on the, the podcast and talk about this because she's the only one I know who does this. Um, so, and she, she just has a lot of beautiful wisdom and insight to share. So, so welcome, Trisha. I'm so glad that you're here. Thank you so much, Kara. It's great to be here. And so tell Hi. us. Tell us a little bit about your, uh, so I mentioned you're a naturopath. You were saying a couple of other things before we got started, and I was like, okay, I'm not sure what those are, so I'm going to have you. (laughs) Well, I, so I ended up, the first healer I ever went to, his name was Solomon Wiki, and he was from Indiana, and he was an Amish healer, and so when I went there, I was so curious how does he do this? What's going on? So there's, there was a book written about him. So I read that book and he was an iridologist and a naturopath. So I ended up going to school where he went to school and became a naturopath and an iridologist. And and what, what is an iridologist? So an iridologist is a person who looks into the eyes. I wondered, okay. And correlates the parts of the eyes with the parts of the body. So like, it's a really quick check to look at the eye and then say, okay, that, that area is the liver, that area is the thyroid. And then you can see like very quickly what the hot spots might be for somebody or what they're struggling with. And you're looking at the physical structure of the eye. Like yeah. there may be like a shadow in a certain part yes. in the so iris. Them, right. In the iris. So they call it like a lacuna or like a So if you get a magnifying glass and you look into the mirror with it, you'll see different marks in your eye. And so when you become an iridologist, they take you through what those marks mean, what areas mean what, and then you kind of start to see patterns for people. That is fascinating. Well, it is really cool. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I mean, I just have noticed as a lay person, some people, some people's eyes are just like shining like they just there's a lot of light that gets through their eyes um noticeably so I don't know if that is like an an indicator of good health or 
Well, the neatest thing to do kind of for yourself is like, you just look at them normally and see kind of what they look like. And then if you do any kind of a detox or anything that kind of changes yourself, look at them that day or like the next day. And they're so, they are so bright. It's almost like you can see that everything's responding to your detox. So it is kind of neat to watch how it changes. Um, Uh, And you kind of get used to your own little patterns, you know, so. That's so cool. I mean, also the eyes, I mean, there's that old adage about the eyes being the window to the soul, but your eye, like the eyes really do speak a lot um, on the spiritual level Mm-hmm. I know that I've been in the presence of a couple of very powerful people who ended up being who I thought were something that they weren't. And then um, and I remember like them both looking at me. It was a very strange experience. And uh-huh. and I was looking at their eyes and I was really surprised. I expected them to be very bright and very light and they weren't. And I was like really confused by that because of where I was mentally, like thinking uh-huh. who the, who I thought they were. Yeah. And I remember coming away from that and I was like, oh my God, there, I mean, I still was sort of like enchanted by the, like, it didn't, it didn't activate like, oh my God, they're not who I thought they were at that time. It took a, a little couple months still before all the pennies dropped for that. But, uh-huh. but I remember looking at the eyes and being surprised that they were not, they were not what, what I thought they would be. Yeah. They don't really lie. You know, mm. they're pretty, that's why I said it's such a great quick check. And I think that's why Solomon used it, even though that wasn't his main modality and it's not my main modality, but it just gives you that instant like feedback of like where you could start with somebody or like you said, that feeling of like, oh, okay, I should go this way or that way. Or you yeah. just get a lot of information through mm-hmm. the eyes. That now, is some people use that as their primary modality. And they've now developed computer programs. So they take like a picture of it. And the computer kind of knows now what the patterns mean. So you get like a printout of like what your eye looks like. Oh, that's fascinating too. Yeah, and then they develop protocols around what your eye says, you know, so. Wow. Yeah. So it's progressed yeah. from, you know, yeah. I still just need a magnifying glass and a light in the mirror, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, Where but, would you even get trained from that? Is that, that's must be somewhere local up in Amish country. Um, so I think the guy who does most of it with the computers and everything, I think he's in North Carolina, mm. um, but locally um, there are, textbooks, you know, just regular coursework of going and, and, and learning it. So, um, that's so cool. Well, yeah, yeah, totally. So let's, let's talk about your journey. Let's back up a little bit because I got us a little ahead of, of the, the game here, but, um, your journey to where you are now, have you always been into kind of the alternative natural healing or what brought you to it? No, no. So I, I was perfectly on track to be, you know, corporate all the way, <laughs> um, but I love math and science. So I've always, you know, just really enjoyed those fields. So um, I did mechanical engineering and then ended up working for a major automotive company. And I did that for five years and then 
my husband and I decided to have a family. And so that's where kind of everything changed (laughs) as it does for everybody, but, um, significantly. So, uh, my first, um, child, she never stopped crying. And I mean, never, um, she was kicked out of the nursery at the hospital because they said she was too loud. And she was waking the other babies, which I've never heard. I've never heard anyone say anything like that before. So, and we didn't know what we were doing. You know, we brought her home. And so it took a while to figure out like why she was so upset. Um, But we, so that was kind of my first starting point. Like we did all of the traditional avenues and she just wasn't making any progress. So we ended up, um, and one of the nurses that came to the house once said, you need to go see so-and-so. And so we did. And that was the first person that we saw. And she said some things and I had no idea. She muscle tested, you know, she did all this stuff. And I was like, what is, you know, what is this? I don't know what this is. And then my daughter got better. So we just sort of like continued on with life. And then by the time my um, third child was born, uh, prior to birth, they thought maybe he would have trisomy 21 or down syndrome. So, and, but we weren't sure because he was a twin. So there's a lot of genetic material, you know, there's all kinds of things going on. And I knew that we lost the twin. Mm -hmm. So we just, you know, waited and saw. And so he was born and, um, they did the testing and they said, yeah, we think, you know, he's going to have trisomy 21. So at that point I was like, oh my gosh, you know, is that what can I do? Can we, you know, what can I do to help him? And so um, a coworker of my husband gave him a book and it was about Solomon Wiki. That was the Solomon Wiki book. So um, I wrote a letter to them and they wrote back and said, don't come up and see us. So we traveled a few hours and went up and saw them. And it was a similar situation. Like he looked in the eye, he was doing muscle testing um, and all this stuff. And I just didn't understand what he was doing. So, and how old was your son at this time? I think he was only about six weeks. Oh, wow. By the time it happened really fast. Um, and then we ended up seeing Solomon Wiki for like two years, I think, mm-hmm. um, before he passed away. So we would go every month or two up and, and visit. And Solomon wasn't a talker, so I never really understood exactly what he was doing, but I was so curious. So that's when I enrolled um, in school, because I'm like, I want to learn how is, you know, what is he doing and how is this working? And um, so then I started school, and that took a few years, of course, to to get through school. And um, after that, I just started reading. I just continued to read. And I'm still reading like nine years later. Um, uh, my son is nine now and doing great. And um, so I, the question for me has always been, and I've been to lots of practitioners now and lots of kind of people that do different modalities, but I always would push them really far out of their comfort zone because of Down syndrome. Mm-hmm. So it was like, asking a person how far they could really go with their consciousness in the, in the sense of what is your limitations for people? And do you think anything can be healed or do you have a limitation to what you think 
can be healed. And so honestly, I probably have only met like four or five people in total that think that you can change your genes or you can change your chromosomes or you can, you know, they're, most people are only willing to go so far Mm -hmm. with healing. And I just really had to push myself really far to see if I thought that was possible or if, or even if you should think it's possible, because I meet so many people who think you shouldn't do anything with that. You know what I mean? You should just let that be. Should you, is there something wrong with having an extra chromosome or should you let that be, you know? So that even that's a moral and ethical question of like, who do you, what do you do with that? You know? Mm -hmm. Um, So all of those things have come up. So I've had a really fascinating journey because of that. Yeah. Well, (laughs) we're asking people, right. Hard questions, you know, really hard questions. Well, where are you right now with that question personally? So personally, um, and like I said, people might disagree with this, but personally, I think anything is possible. Mm-hmm. And I think I've always come from that perspective for some reason. And I just don't see limitations for anybody in any way. Mm-hmm. So we kind of go from that spot. And I think because I come from that angle, I've gotten into modalities that probably other people haven't noticed or aren't interested in. So, mm-hmm. um, because those modalities offer healing for anything and that's what I needed mm-hmm. and that's what my family needed. So we went in the direction of, um, frequencies and numbers. And, you know, I don't think I would have gotten to that point had I not had to, you know? Right. Well, I want to talk about this. So the frequencies and numbers, this is what I was referring to when I talked (laughs) about the modality that I don't know other people who are using. So, so tell us a little bit about what you do with those, with the numbers. So what happened was I ended up going through all the modalities and lots of the common ones that people have heard of. And I just kept pushing and pushing. And finally, um, a friend of mine said, have you heard of Lloyd Meir and have you seen what he's doing? And I said, no. And so I looked into it and um, he, I'm not exactly sure what his story is, but I think he, he got some form of cancer and had, and had to determine what to do. And so he ended up, he's an excellent dowser. Mm-hmm. So he ended up being able to douse, douse the frequency pattern of anything he wanted to like calcium or you just pick something and he could find the numbers that corresponded to that item. So he could find, okay, so he could find calcium, but he could also find forms of calcium that you shouldn't have. So you could, you could get the frequencies that you needed, or you could pull frequencies out that you didn't need. And so I assume that he's like verifying this, like he's like there are t- ways to know what kind of calcium levels that you have within the body. Did, right. What- exactly. Yeah. I mean, I, his, ex- he is, he is probably in his nineties by now. And I, I don't know how long he's been doing it, but a, lo- a long time now. So, I mean, his books are, and his, the numbers, the sets of numbers that he has are thousands, you know, of numbers for things. Um, wow. And so, and people call him for specific frequencies of, you know, whatever they're interested in. And he, um, gives people numbers 
for them themselves or whatever they're working on. And then there now there's databases that people add numbers to and like um, experiment to see. But the nice part about it is you might need something or you might need something to leave your body. So it kind of mm -hmm. goes both directions. You can go both ways. Um, so I, the reason why that spoke for me was because there are numbers for Down syndrome mm -hmm. and you just can't find, I mean, there's just nothing on it in most places. So that's what, how I got started on the numbers. And then I was just Googling, like, does anybody else do anything like this? You know? <laughs> And so then I found other people like in Russia and other countries that were doing this on their own and they don't know each other. So then I started getting their numbers and just kind of putting them together. So it's, you can do anything you want with the number. You can say it out loud to yourself. You can put it under your mattress and, you know, sleep on it. You um, can use magnets or crystals or you know however you want to kind of get the number in or, or get the numbers out of you you know whichever way you want to go um so the sky is the limit and that's what I needed mm -hmm. for it and uh, that's how I got on numbers plus engineering part I think was just yeah. a draw for um seeing things in number form instead of you know, people love emotions and, you know, all these other things. And I was just drawn to numbers. Yeah. Yeah. And I want to get into that a little bit too, but, um, but I, I'd love to talk a little bit more because I have used, you know, your model, mm -hmm. like I have, you've been helping Layla, my daughter, mm -hmm. um, with her scoliosis. So, I'd like to just talk a little bit because there's, uh, you do this on behalf of people too. Yeah. So, um, and the way that it worked in our experience was that you were, um, there's like an intuitive piece with it for you where you're tuning in to see mm -hmm. what is it that needs to be cleared or what needs to be brought in. And so you've been talking about it from a very biological perspective, you know, okay, my son has Down syndrome and here are numbers that will help him. Um, but what, what our experience was, was like, okay, there are things in her field related to a specific trauma mm -hmm. or injury or something, you know, that, that um, you identified through your own intuitive capabilities. And so you provided a list of, I want to say it was like 10, numbers or some somewhere mm -hmm. around there that are hitting different things and they're kind of listed out. Do you want to go right. into that a little bit? Sure. So um, I think a, another fun part of my story is that I don't, I don't think I was a natural born healer. Mm -hmm. So like a lot of the books I read, they're like, you know, I talked to angels when I was four and, you yeah. know, I always knew I was going to do this. And mine is totally the opposite. Like, had no intention of, of using my intuition at all. <laughs> <laughs> so the other great part about the numbers for me was the first number for Lloyd Muir in his, in his work is the 108 frequency. And the 108 frequency makes you a healer if you weren't before. Oh. So like if you're a healer, you already have the, the 108 frequency. 
And if, if you aren't or you weren't born with it, you can get it. So I needed to have that. And so I think that's another unique perspective because everybody can be a healer and everybody can develop those gifts and they just need the right frequency sets. And so I think that was another key piece of my journey of, and also being able to tell people like, <laughs> yeah, any person can de develop these skills. So so I, that's the first thing I did. I brought in the 108 frequency and I had to do it for weeks. I had to read the number and play around with it. And, you know, you can do anything you want and make it light up or, you know, whatever speaks to you. And so then eventually you'll, you'll just hold it. Mm -hmm. And then once you just, then you're always that frequency. So that was how I started. And then after I kind of did that, then I started okay, can I muscle test? You know, can I learn how to muscle test? Can I, you know, learn how to do th those kinds of things? So I just started playing around with it, going to the grocery store, like, is this apple good for me? You know, and <laughs> just, and making a game about with the kids, like, uh -huh. are you leaning forward or backward for, the, you know, your whatever, your banana? Yeah. <laughs> so, and so that's kind of how we started. And then I ended up over time just, developing what I think might be my strongest gift, which is my hands. I can feel things in the air, um, which I didn't know I could do. So now I use my hands. So like if I'm working on somebody, I can, you know, use my hands to feel and see wh what the weaker spots would be mm -hmm. if they're not with me. So I can just sort of, you know, visualize it which again, I would have never thought I could do when I first started. And it's just kind of progressed mm -hmm. towards being able to do that so that I could look at your daughter if she wasn't here mm -hmm. and I could, you know, figure out, okay, you know, this, she needs this here, she needs that there. And I have all the numbers in a database so I can say, oh, you know, her thyroid is weaker or whatever it would be for anybody. And then I can just scan it get down to those numbers and then see which one she has, which one she doesn't have, and then ask why, mm. why doesn't she have or the thyroid numbers or whatever. And then that, boy, that's fascinating when you ask the why, because then you get into a lot of interesting answers, you know, um, were you born that way? Did it develop because of trauma? Was it an emotion? Um, did another being disrupt you? I mean, that's really common too. Um, and so then we just kind of work on the whys and, you know, eventually you just unwind the whole thing because you're, you're meant to have the perfect thyroid bladder, whatever. Yeah. Um, so then you just sort of learn about yourself and kind of, you know, add back the frequencies that that you should have or take away the poisons you shouldn't have or yeah, you know. yeah. I, it makes me wonder like with the numbers with the frequencies what what it might develop within the energy system like you know we were you were saying that numbers are your jam you know you're yeah. like an engineering background like and, I dream about them yeah yeah so for you like things show up and then mm -hmm. it it has like a numeric sort of in, the, the interface for you is numbers yes 
it's interesting, like for me, where that, you know, that wouldn't be how I would perceive. I might see like geometries or something. Exactly. Yeah. So it's like, it, it would be fascinating to know, like, okay, as you're like experiencing something, okay, you put the 108 in somebody, like Mm -hmm. what somebody who looks like. Yes. Right. From geometry standpoint, from a color standpoint, from a number standpoint, like, yeah, the sky is the limit with each thing. And, and I love how everybody sees it so differently because I have loved listening to your other podcasts and, and listening to how they think about it. And I think we all end up sort of in the same situation, but we all see it from a different perspective, geometry, numbers, colors, emotions, you know, different avenues. Yes. So it's just amazing that you could have an infinite number of ways to get into like the same target zone, you know, or whatever for a person. Yeah. And that was kind of what I, I find that fascinating too. And what I love about that is that, that it's, um, it's so open, like healing, it's so open, Mm -hmm. it's so accessible and it, it is speaking the language of the individual. So it can be tempting to like keep chasing different modalities or to keep, because this happens, you know, with me where I'll, you know, talk to somebody or whatever. And I'm like, oh my God, they found the silver bullet, you know? And it's like, like, for example, Reiki kind of gets that, like Mm -hmm. that sort of, it's every person it's, it's for everybody. Anybody can do it. It's accessible you know, you, you're supposed to have gone through like the initiation to turn it on. Um, but it kind of gets this, like, I mean, I've, I've heard people talk about, this is the one that anybody can do. And, and so you could be tempted to look at that and be like, oh, that's the right healing modality. Like that's the universal one. That's the one that we all should do. And, you know, I'm a Reiki master. I've gone through the training and Mm -hmm. and I use Reiki, but very quickly with Reiki, it developed into my, it was like a, a, an avenue to like what naturally wanted to come through, which wasn't hugely dissimilar to Reiki, but it wasn't, it wasn't completely what I had been quote unquote trained in. It Mm -hmm. had its own flavor. Um, but I think it's because you and I, I remember months ago, you were kind of like, you'd been interested in something had popped into your field and you're like, but you know, I'm so comfortable with numbers. Like I'm a numbers girl. <laughs> right. So it's, it's like, it's, yeah. And I think over time for me, that's what's ending up happening is like, I have this core thing that I love. And then I almost see how all these other things fit into it. And so I, I, I still love to learn. I think I will always be curious about all the modalities people are using and, and how they're, how they think, honestly, which is, um, and, and why they like their modalities and, and all of that. And I think for me, I'll probably always probably go back to incorporating it into mm-hmm. some kind of numerical format, just because for me, it seems limitless. Like mm-hmm. you could, do you could find anything or think of anything and then it could be expressed in a, in a numerical form. So it seems mm-hmm. infinite, you know, as far as the possibilities are. Yeah. Um, but it's very odd. Like I said, I've never, I, you don't meet people who are working with numbers and um, it, 
I wouldn't say it's the normal modality, like you said, or, or um, but as a, as a, you know, a potential client, I would have gone to the Reiki master and I would have said, so what can you do with Down syndrome? Yeah. <laughs> and that, that was like always my like initial question. And the answer usually was like nothing. So, yeah. and so I was always like, ouch, you know, okay, now what? Yeah. So, and like I said, I've only met four or five people in my entire, you know, searching of that were like, oh yeah, well, there's stuff we can do, or, you know, we can work on it energetically in different ways. So mm -hmm. it just pushed me so far to keep yeah. seeking, you know? Right. Um, and this is probably a difficult question because it almost requires that you had a parallel access to a parallel version where it's like you did nothing and you know what that outcome right. is, but are there things with Down syndrome that you have seen that have been affected by, by different modalities, by the numbers, anything like that? So it is really hard because you don't have a baseline of, mm -hmm. okay, if we did nothing, this is, you exactly. know, the outcome and, yeah. you know, um, but I can say things that you would typically notice um, like growth, you know, being smaller person, um, like we're not having any of those issues. Like he's growing normally, typically. Um, he's socially very typical, um, you know, those kinds of things. And, and for me, like the biggest part was just supporting his immune system constantly because people with Down syndrome are dealing with so much extra proteins in their body all the time mm -hmm. that it's just like a constant struggle of getting keeping stuff well. out. Okay. Yeah. And keeping him well so that he's not sick. Mm -hmm. So a lot of the times I'll, you know, I'll have like a goal of just going through the whole year and not being sick, you know? And so in that respect, he's really doing well too. I mean, he doesn't really get sick. Um, that's amazing. Family doesn't really get sick. And that's just a huge accomplishment, I think, in of itself. Mm -hmm. Um, so those kinds of things are really great for him. And I think he's going to reach his full potential. And I think he can do whatever he wants to do in life. And that's really what I wanted for him. And mm -hmm. I just wanted for him to be treated like my other children, you know, mm -hmm. so. Yeah, that's beautiful. And that's yeah. very impressive. I mean, for anybody to go through a whole year healthy is an <laughs> accomplishment. Yeah. Right. And especially now, I mean, um, the community that have family members with disabilities, it's been a stressful few years, you know, yeah. like, how can they handle everything? And, um, and in that perspective, I mean, he's just doing amazing. I don't worry about that for him at all. Mm -hmm. And what a relief, you know, not to be stressed about those kinds of things. Yeah. So. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. That's great. Um, if you think back to the beginning of your awakening to the importance of the energetics, can you use your experiences on your journey to advise someone who may just be starting to explore like holistic and energy healing, like what comes to mind on ways that they can sort of accelerate their awakening. And it doesn't have to necessarily be like the numbers, but just, is there anything that comes to mind about how to sort of nurture that awakening 
Okay, this might be a weird answer. <laughs> but what comes to mind, and I think it's because I deal with sovereignty as like the main issue for people, like, are you sovereign? Like, are you being, what are you being affected by? And, and you know, is your little torrid shape, that your little ball of light, like how sovereign are you? And I find the biggest hang up for people starting, um, especially if they're trying to muscle test correctly or, you know, just at the beginning, you have to do a parasite cleanse, like mm. very close to the, I tell you what, those little things are opinionated. <laughs> <laughs> they have all these thoughts and like, they're very dominating. <laughs> My dog just jumped up on the chair behind me. I don't know what. Oh, see, he knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> yes, she's trying to push me off the chair. Um, yeah, because, yeah, I mean, animals, they get dewormed all the time. But humans, we don't talk about it. Really, yeah. we don't do it. And, I, and for me, also doing something physical to start helps most people because most people want to start with something physical that they can see. And then they can branch out from there to talk about emotions and spirituality, you know, and kind of move the ball. Uh huh. But man, if you don't get those things down to a reasonable level, they will really, you may not be able to feel what you should feel and you may not be able to, because you're not really sovereign if they're sort of monkeying around with your field. Mm-hmm. So that's but, a great answer. I love that. So what resource would you, is there something in particular that you would recommend if somebody's like, oh, I've never even thought about doing a parasite cleanse? I mean, I think the most famous one is, is Dr. Helda Clark, um, which she's like the parasite queen, you okay. know? Um, and in the Midwest, we were really blessed to have Dr. Overman, who's passed away too, but he, his book is amazing on um, parasites. They're different life like there's different cycles and stages of life and the different herbs that he used um to do it now I sort of use um a a big herbal combination like it has like 21 herbs in it Mm -hmm. uh, for and you just take it twice for 30 days and that by the end I mean you're usually pretty sovereign yeah (laughs) (laughs) it got more more of just your own energy so you can tell you can feel yourself you can just get in touch with yourself much better if you're mm-hmm. not under attack, you know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah, I love that. And like you, like you mentioned that the groundedness of using the physical body as a beginning step so that you can, because what you, you've stated so beautifully is like that, you know, we've got this complex. It's like the physical body. We've got the emotions that are a tool for us to be able to understand what's going on and to heal We've got the spiritual piece and getting the physical body into alignment and getting it so that it is running at its, um, you know, without interference as much as possible is a great way to just lay a great foundation to keep. It is. It is. And I, I, with just talking to average people, you know, anywhere you go, most of the time physical is all you're going to really be able to start out with Mm -hmm. anyways. So, you know, they, people understand bacteria and virus and in fungus and those kinds of things. So it's always just such a good start of like, 
you know, how about we lower your bacteria level <laughs> or, yeah. you know, your bacteria that you shouldn't have, I guess I should say. Yeah. Um, so that you can tap into those other aspects of yourself. Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's, that's awesome. I want to just take a little detour to talk a little bit about bees because okay. we're both beekeepers and sure. you have a very holistic treatment for your bees. And this is another place where um, it's always fun to talk to you. And you're so humble in like the Trisha beekeeping modality because you're like, you know, I have a lot of training from a conventional sense and mm -hmm. I'm like shifting over. It's like a process for me to like learn a more bee centric approach. Um, so I would just love to know like anything that um, you feel that is helpful for like a, a beekeeper who wants to do more intuitive beekeeping or less conventional beekeeping? Is there anything that comes to mind that you want to share? I think, again, the bees have taught me so much um, with healing and, and the aspects of, of numbers and, and everything else, too, um, because, of course, they're exactly the same as we are and needing things. And um, so, you know, I talk to my bees, mm -hmm. <laughs> which, you know, um, and they're such an unusual um, consciousness to talk to because of the whole pyramid queen structure that they have for their, um, their living in society. So, you know, generally speaking, if you can talk to the queen, you can figure out what's going on in the whole hive. Um, and of course it, you know, for those poor little bees, they have the same issues that we have, you know, they have lots of viral issues right now and lots of frequency issues going on. And so, and parasites, you know, I try, and parasites. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's kind of similar and the same things that work for us work for them. So like, um, that little echo machine that makes the, um, the cleaning solution, I forget the chemical formula for the it. HOCL. Yeah. The HOCL. So I spray that, like when I open up the hive, like I just spray it all over. Um, inside? I inside to mm -hmm. clean up, to clean it. Uh-huh. Just like we would do in our house, you know. Um, in, more and, in the warmer months? Yes. That's well, nice. you wouldn't be opening them right now in February. Right. but Yeah, so just when I'm in there doing things, so I'll use that, and that seems to work really, really well. I've never had a clean or hive until I, when I started using that. So, okay. and they seem to like it. Um, and it doesn't matter that, like, I'm just thinking from a condensation perspective. I know like we try yeah, not you to keep do it too late in the year. Cause you don't want it to be too wet. And it's not, since it, I, the spray bottle I use is like a mister. So it's okay. not like a heavy squirt or anything like that. Do you just spray um, it on top of like in the frames, but while the frames are all in there and then you let it kind of, or do you spray each frame as you pull it out? I only probably spray each frame once a year. Okay. Um, so it just kind of whatever I'm feeling that I usually I'll spray the top if I'm not like, you know, picking all the frames up or anything. Mm -hmm. um, and then I, you know, put probiotics in a lot for mm -hmm. them too. In what form? Um, powder. Okay. That, that's 
bee specific or that's for yeah they sell a bee probiotic okay um, so I put that in there um and you know it's gone by the next time you you mm-hmm. check hmm. um and then I do use crystals with them I've only done that for about a year um and they rub, you know, they rub themselves against it. It's kind of funny. So, like when they're coming and going and stuff, you'll see them rub their little body on the oh. before they go. What kind of crystals? <laughs> Any? Um, I used shungite a lot to start, and then, but then I started adding stuff over time. Just you know, whatever I had and whatever seemed fun. So I've got some citrine and rose quartz by mine. Nice. Yes. Yes. I have rose quartz in there. Yeah. Yeah. So they, you have them at the entrance. I have the shungite kind of at the entrance. I have the rose quartz like inside, like, um, yeah, you know, it's like creativity. Yeah. A little little there. Yeah. (laughs) That's interesting. I've got a rose quartz like underneath the hive. But okay. I hadn't really thought about putting it in there. I might try that next, this year. Yeah, I put it like in one of the corners of the hive, like inside. Mm-hmm. So I've done that. And then I've used, I've thought about pyramid, like I've put little pyramids. I've done like little geometries just to see, you know, mm-hmm. what they like most. But mostly for them, it's, you know, it's the parasite issue for them as well. So yeah. I'm hoping that HOCL kind of... Um, handles that do you do mite checks specifically no I don't do any of that traditional I mean Mm -hmm. I just watch and um I put little traps in before like little olive oil traps just to see like what would happen like if anything would go in there or anything so and yeah I'm very odd on the beekeeping I don't do any of the normal stuff there's essential oils and you know uh like in their food and yeah. That so. but see this is awesome. This is the kind of stuff that I love to know because uh, I mean even conventional beekeeping it's as unique as each beekeeper. It it's it, really like pets, yeah. you know, it's like how can you tell somebody how to raise how to have a dog? You know, it's like, well, what is your dog like? You know, does your right. dog want to yeah, be fed you twice? Don't have to just do it and see, and like yeah, pay attention and right, see what they like, what they don't like. And, right. Um, it's been so fun doing, um, mm-hmm. and it's such a, it's fun for the kids. It's fun for everybody. And they're so, um, docile. I mean, you just, so I don't use the smoke or anything like that, um, on them. So and you don't pretty, pre- try to prevent swarming. Yeah. You know, I've never had that happen. So no, I haven't ever. Well, I've, do you look for the queen cells or because I wonder if it's happened and you and, and it, you've had rotations know. and you just have new queen a new queen and you didn't realize or yeah no I have not noticed or mm-hmm. so it, I mean I could have could have happened um, yeah and I haven't noticed uh I mean I honestly I hope they do go out into nature and and populate if if that's possible yeah. For them. That was a shift in my own thinking that had to shift also um, as I've been taking this new approach because I was taught and I just took for granted like you do everything you can to keep the bees from swarming because Uh when they swarm then like 
you know, a big fraction of them leave. And then you're left with like a small amount of bees. So it was like, don't let them leave. But actually, um, and that's because then your honey yields, you get a lot more honey because there are more bees who are working. But actually from what you're talking about where it's like, well, we actually want the bees as like, if you think of each hive as its own animal, like one big animal, you want more of those bee animals, you know, the, the, um, the apian being, and mm-hmm. to do that, they have to leave. And, and then, right. you know, you do have fewer, uh, your population goes way down, but those bees are out and they're like, it's from a proliferation and a, you know, yeah. just that increasing of life. Mm-hmm. It's b- very beneficial. So it's kind of like, well, what are you in it for? Like I have two hives. That's, I'm not in it for if you're yeah and I'm not selling the honey or (laughs) yeah Yeah. I I wanted it for you know the earth and for just the survival and for you know the flowers and for the beauty of everything and um and also for the bee I want them to survive too so and yeah so my gosh the more they split the better so see there I have the opposite opinion yes exactly Exactly. I, I hope they have, and I hope they can make it out there. You know, mm-hmm. I hope I've given them strength. And, um, and again, going back to the sovereignty part and the control, like I don't control them or I try not to control them. I just try to ask them what they need, you mm-hmm. know? So, um, and when you I'm, hear those responses, what is that yeah. like? Um, I don't know for the bee, it's such a weird, uh, hard to explain. They're just so, they are so much more geometry based than we are. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think they're way more mathematical than we are, or they see things more uh, in a math from a math perspective. I'm getting Um, Fibonacci like, yeah. And Fibonacci, like all the, the patterns that they make, um, are just so incredible. Um, and the way their eyes are structured are so different than ours. So the things that they see, um, I mean, they they claim that they know if the flower has already been visited by a bee. Yeah, so they, they can never, see it. Yeah. yeah, they can see that. So they don't replicate. They don't, they're just so efficient mm-hmm. um, with their work. So when I ask, you know, the queen what's going on, what they need, the answers are always to the point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, very, like... At very mathematical like there's no extra verbiage it's just to the point like food you know what I mean yeah. or it would be more like a, a one word answer or a feeling about what they need mm. um so their language is funny I know I've read some of um, the uh, native uh people that native tribes that have kept bees for you know thousands of years and the things that they do singing to the bees and and even I think recording the bees um the you know the sounds that they make and I think they even have evidence now that if they like record one of those amazing hives that has existed forever and then they take those sounds and move them to a city hive or you know where they have stress like it really brings them back to kind of their base you know and it's just interesting to see how all that pans out you know and um so yeah even the bees like little frequencies and their own little base set of music you know 
Yeah. It's fun. And they dance, of course. They dance yeah. to yeah. talk about where they should forage, you know, to communicate. They're super, so fascinating. And like, they are really fascinating. Yeah. And in spring and early summer, like just doing hive checks and seeing them being born, like you can see them so easily emerging from the cells. It's, it's just, it's, it's majestic. It's incredible. It is. And the kids like even love it. Like, cause we, we don't do anything with our grass. So, you know, there's dandelions and stuff. So like watching the, the bees down there, like, and they'll just look up at you and like, what do you know? What are you looking at me? I'm busy. And then they go back to, you know, doing their little dandelion and they just love it. Like watching them. Cause you, I mean, you can get right up to them and, and they don't mind, you know? So yeah. Yeah. They're just so busy with their little flower, you know? Right. Yeah. They, they're not interested in yeah. what we're doing, but it's fascinating to just watch them. So. Yeah. Well, and I mean, I've and and connecting with them because you've got them in your backyard, yes, which is nice. Mine are miles away, but it's okay. it's interesting to because they're so multidimensional. Being well, able to connect in, with them in meditation and things is amazing. Oh, that's great! Yeah. yeah, and I wasn't sure what the neighbors would think, but I just sort of put I gave them all a little honey, you know, around. And then now they'll tell me, oh my gosh, your bees love this particular bush I have. And so they, they get all excited too, to see the bees working. So that's awesome. Great. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Well, thank you so much. This has been amazing. Um, If anybody wants to get in touch with you or learn more about what you offer, how can they do that? So I think this year I have been writing a book for a while, so I'm hoping to finish that up and, um, get that going. I, I've only been doing word of mouth as far as clients go. Um, and I'll probably continue on doing that for a while. Um, maybe in the next year or two, it, you know, we'll have a better chance to open, open that up for everybody. But my email is armored saints at protonmail.com. So that's how I communicate with most people. And, um, okay. I'll put that in the show notes. Okay. Wonderful. Okay. Well, thank you so much. Thank you for sharing all of this. It's so fascinating. I love your modality and and all of the learning and the sharing that you do on a regular basis. Thank you so much. It's so nice for me to to wonder how I got here too. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know how this happened, Kara, but here I am. So... (laughs) Yeah, right, right. Well, thank you again so much. Such a blessing having you here and for all the work that you're doing. And um, and I'll, I will be seeing you soon. Yes, it's so great to talk to you and uh, we'll see you soon. Please share this episode. I appreciate your support, rating, reviewing, and sharing. So... Thank you again for listening, and I look forward to the next meditation conversation.